0: Secure some price for Wednesday September 27 2023 coming to you from the GoGo Sports Studio built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Wall Center Downtown Vancouver and if you're heading down to a game, there's a big football game Friday. There's a big soccer game Saturday. Hey, there's even a hockey game this weekend. Why don't you make a staycation out of it? Call the Wall Center 604-331-1000 or reservations at wallcenter.com. Extend your game night. Matt Securs alongside Blake Price, Grace Asset, and Switches. Conducting things, the show presentation. Applewood Auto Group, I'll be out at their performance center in Langley on Sunday. Having a twenty-fifth anniversary celebration, a little auto show going on. Oh. Great deals on new Nissan Leafs. And I thought you were
1: taking the Infinity there to do go on the,
0: uh, the the burnout pit there.
1: You know, we saw at the back. You're not gonna do that?
0: Well, I don't own the Infinity, so first and well, foremost. It's only the rubber, but yeah. Yeah. And uh frankly, they have some cars there that I think I might prefer in the Burnout Pet. That's true. But I do love driving the QX60. You can lease it right now from 3.99%. Same with the QX50. No charge maintenance packages with purchase, plus a chance to win 25 large. See dealer for details. Because it is all good at Applewood. Bulldog poll question today. We're asking you best goaltending tandem in Canucks. Hango Schneider, Marks from Demco or other vote at some Price on Twitter. Bush Free Casino Games, Poker Strategy, and Sports Odds. Bodog line of the day. USA has better players, but they haven't won in Europe in thirty years, plus courses set up for the Euro. So I'm going to take Europe to win the Ryder Cup minus one oh five on your Bodog line of the day. We are asking this poll question because Lo and behold Forever joined at the hip, Roberto Luongo and Corey Schneider. Schneider announces his retirement yesterday. He was scheduled to join the show today. Text me saying he's feeling a little under the weather, so we're going to try again tomorrow. And the Canucks revealing details, although it really wasn't much of a secret, that that Florida Panthers game at Rogers Arena will be the site of Roberto's induction into Ring of Honor. It will be complete with the Roberto Luongo and... Uh, well, Grady Sass was a little tired of debating Ring of Honor or retired number, so we went with this as a poll question. I had to vote. March from Demko were very good. Well, have been some other fun goaltending combos in Canucks history. We've had some write-in votes already for McLean and Sean Burke, for Essence and Potvin. But Jennings Trophy winners, two of the best goalies in the league on the same team, Luongo and Schneider. There's, I mean... The last playoff
1: fun mm-hmm. was with Markstrom and Demko putting on a show mm-hmm. inside the bubble. Right. The uh, the other possibilities, you have to get a little bit more creative. Mm-hmm. I mean, Miller, a more creative. Miller Markstrom existed for, for mm-hmm. a snapshot. Mm-hmm. Hey, back up, Bob. Go, Bob Essence. Mm-hmm. Bit of a household name for, for a second. Troy Gamble was, too, alongside Kirk McClain. Yep. But it's hard to argue with Jenny
0: yeah December 14th, incidentally, is the game night at Rogers Arena. Panthers, Canucks, of course, Luongo working for Florida's front office. And as many have pointed out, boy, this really takes the spotlight off OEL's return. To Vancouver that night as a member. <laughs> That's of true. The He'll Panthers. be very uh, thankful for that. He'll probably yeah. be able to sneak in and out. Yeah, Dom Lecision, Shana Goldman over at the Athletic with modeling and predicting for the NHL season. They have the Canucks at 92.4 points and a 52% chance at making the playoffs. So it's right there on the cusp, as many have surmised, that the playoffs are attainable this year for the Vancouver Canucks. But it's a 50-50 shot, and as Jim Rutherford said last week, everything's gotta gonna have to go right. Also, and we'll get to the clip here in a sec, Hawkett with some tough love for Dakota Joshua. The Canucks are in Edmonton tonight. They're dressing and betting their top six. So another chance to be embarrassed 10-0 if this Canucks lineup doesn't bring it. They've got Seattle in Seattle tomorrow. So there are some considerations with regards to. You know these back-to-back preseason games, and who's going to play? Of course, nobody's going to play both of them. So a couple of lines. It's not truly a split squad because it's not the same day, but it's effectively, I think. I don't.
1: Know, it, do you think it's a, nobody plays both? I bet mean, so there's got to be a couple. No, do they still have the numbers for to be to, two totally different lineups? I don't think they do. I stand to be corrected yeah. on that. But it, I doubt it's. I, I doubt it's opening night starters that play both games. No.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If anything, there may be a, a player or two who's on the bubble. They want a bigger look at uh Ilya Mikheyev B group today at UBC the non game day group talk saying he did well in his skating tests that they wanted to get him acclimated to the main group before he contact which he still isn't and talk sort of said it's still day to day there but McTrail and of course we don't anticipate don't anticipate he will play a lot in pre pre-season, preseason but i think a you know, I think you'd certainly want to get him into at least one game. Mm-hmm. The big news yesterday was that Rick Tockett put Dakota Joshua on blast. Let's take a listen, come back, and discuss. You know, he's got to pick it up. You know that it's quite frankly, you know, I'm not going to get into some other factors, but he has to. He's got to try to win a job. The job's not there. There's guys breathing down that want jobs, and whether it's a message or not, he's. You know, and it's, there's a lot of other factors to it. I'm not going to get into but yeah, he, he's got to pick it up. What are the other so, factors? Well, I was just about to ask you. I do wonder if Dakota Joshua did not have a great summer, big summer, good summer. Yeah, maybe. I wonder if some of the other factors are that Nils Hoglander requires waivers and thus is not going on, and, and potentially others pushing on the wing. A young player of his, um,
1: Pedigree, the organization would want to protect that asset, maybe a bit more than a
2: guy like Dakota Joshua, potentially. Right? Was there something more, perhaps, to the Garland and him tussle? That no? is quite possible as well. I mean, now practice says, fights happen, right? It's especially
0: this time even of the a year. Fight, but yeah, yeah, pushing and shoving. When he says win a job, now I interpret that as more win a spot in the lineup. Maybe. Do you think there's any world where Dakota Joshua is not amongst the thirteen or maybe fourteen?
1: Can he play his way off this roster? That
0: answer is yes. You think so? Yes. Okay. I disagree. He's $85,000. Yeah, uh, but uh, no, but you say variable. He's 825000 coming off a pretty good season. Mm-hmm. Like that would be an attractive contract on waivers, no, Blake? Sports is not a meritocracy across the board, but it,
1: in certain positions it is. And for a Dakota Joshua, there is a bit of a meritocracy there. And if
0: he's in that spot now that he doesn't make the team, But can it get worse for Dakota Joshua? Yeah, I think it can. Both 23 points, played 11 and a half minutes, and did some of his best work under Rick Tockett. I have a theory that this is a Tockett-style guy, that Tockett has determined this guy can take the smoke. So I'm going to put him on notice effectively to let the entirety of the group know, hey, nobody is above scrutiny, my scrutiny, and getting called out publicly. Or it could just be what it seems, and that is... Joshua's not doing enough in talk it's eyes.
1: And I don't think that it's going it, to it, Joshua just no. yet. I think there's plenty of runway for him to stay on in the good books and stay, stay in the opening night lineup and there's plenty of runway I, th- I think still if he
0: mm-hmm. performs like he did. I think we talked yesterday with Patrick Johnson about Joshua v. Giuseppe I think is one of the battles potentially to third line. Here's D Giuseppe yesterday on what he's working on in camp.
3: Just watched tape on last year um, you know, use the same strengths I had
1: and then, you know, other things work on them. Um, you know, I was good on the cycle. So now, you know, make a play out of the cycle um, and just be heavy down low.
0: Heavy down low plays off the cycle. So there you go. He's looking to, if I can quote Jeff Patterson, juicing out of that cycle, not just for the sake of cycling. Yes.
1: End game. Yes.
0: Yeah. I mean, We've seen some cycles here in this town over the <laughs> Yes, years. yes, this town knows yeah, a thing or two. We know a good cycle. it uh, was very pleased with practice yesterday, commented on both the pace, how hard it was. He was asked about Cole McWard, who skated with Quinn Hughes yesterday, it gave him a snowball's chance in, you know what, of making this hockey team, but it didn't sound like McWard is going to make the team out of camp, and I think that's... That's uh, pretty well known Mm -hmm. to begin with. I I mean, I think there'd be some people stunned. He he did say John Marino, quote, came out of nowhere in Pittsburgh and make the club one year. And um, in case you're wondering, Oli Levy dropped from that PTO in Arizona, if you were tracking that.
1: Yeah, I was was, uh, on the edge of my seat for that, in fact.
2: I think
0: his... uh (laughs) nhl
2: career if you can call it that is all but over here do you it's, think that's do you think he's an NHL player well, now even he he'll back to, go back home yeah. i think he's going back home yeah I mean, the AHL numbers were, were not even that impressive so i think mm-hmm. he's hit hit that point now where he realized okay it's time to go back to familiarity and mm-hmm. play in a league that i can you know be better than i would be in the AHL.
0: Rank wide tonight with jeff patterson i'll be joining him to dissect the Canucks in Edmonton against the Oilers, where, yeah, Connor McDavid is playing. And you thought yesterday that the uh, Canucks need to dress a bit more of a representative lineup because of the shellacking they took in Calgary. You're going to want to hear Frank Corrado coming up. He also had an issue with the lineup that the Canucks dressed in Calgary the other night. Didn't think it gave them the best chance to evaluate And I'll let Frankie explain it. Uh, As for the two goaltenders we mentioned, the Longo night, Schneider retiring and uh, gave an interview in New Jersey there where he has called home New York, New Jersey for a while, saying that his career highlight was in Vancouver playing for the Canucks. And if he had to pick a moment, it was the so-called Game 8 back in his native Mm -hmm. Massachusetts. The matinee of hell, it was a morning game here, as you recall. A 4-3 Canucks, we made 36 saves, and of course that little rad Brad Marchand tossed Sammy Sallow up and over with the low ass-over tea kettle, which had the normally very reserved Sammy Sallow slamming his stick against the boards. All hell broke loose, Blake, and as you may remember, we were drunk on Cody Hodgson after that game. Oh, post-barred out. Dots. Dots! From the CHL
2: Player of the Year, a nice Earth it's Saturday or Sunday 10 a.m., morning, ten a.m. Oh, sh- on a
0: Saturday. Take me
2: back. I thought it was a Sunday. Was definitely, I think it was. I think you might have been right.
0: Okay, oh, E's and O's will solve this. Yeah, yeah. Look it up right now, Grady, because I'm quite sure it was a Saturday. Okay. I say that only because uh, I can never remember my apartment being that loud. When she watch and she loves the Canucks but she tends not to be very animated or watching the games. Yeah. That morning was a big difference. Yeah. (laughs) We went from coffee to Bailey's in the coffee. And I remember sort of being on a high the rest of the day because like as NHL regular season games go, everything.
1: It was Saturday. Yeah.
0: That one had absolutely everything. I mean, your mission was sky high because of Marchand. The game was terrific itself. There's it was back game. and forth. I mean, Schneider, 36 saves. I yeah. mean, he faced 39. The Boston kid, right?
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun.
0: And, of course, the Canucks with their measure of revenge after losing the cup final. Back when there was depth to a Canucks game. Oh, oh like, big time. You know, there's, there's
1: there hasn't been depth. Because you're just hoping for the bare minimum of
0: wow. entertainment and two points. So when you're a newspaper reporter, as I was at that time, the big question you have going in every... And I was not at a loss for Leeds much during that era of Canucks hockey. No. Cup was but, running but, over. But think of that one. you know. Your storylines are Game 8 and a revenge of Boston. She stands on his head, the local kid, against and the Bruins. And the fact that it was Schneider get, versus Luongo. Right, who yeah. didn't get the starts yeah. in Boston yeah. had to come in relief in the Cup final. Cody Hudson announced his presence, because remember, he wasn't really a part of the team in no. the cup year, but he was this 10th overall CHL player of the year, world junior gold medalist, probably the best player on Canada at that world junior. You had the and just, I mean, I have not seen a low bridge like that since. Have you? Mm. Certainly not in the NHL level. I mean, do you remember some of the venom that was coming out of the Canucks? room, calling him yellow and chicken and cowardly and all those things. So, I mean, that one was chock-a-block. To this day, it's the most memorable regular season game in my 16 years in Vancouver.
1: Yeah. Tyler Myers with a questionable hit down in Seattle doesn't quite...
0: No! You know, I mean the other Reach. one. The other one would be the city's retirement night, of course, because you know who could forget that. But but that again, that wasn't a competitive depth. That was just no. That was just that a was wrap just, up. Let's nice. send yeah. Tank and Danny out on a good note. We know we're not going to the playoffs. Yeah, the Boston Game Eight was textured. It was layered, man. Well, we hope for a textured, layered game Friday at BC Place. The BC Lions and before the- before we leave that before uh-huh. we leave the Boston
1: and the Canucks I should mention this: uh, Aiden Celebrini and Tom Wielander. Just saw their team get all because Cole Eiserman stepped away from Minnesota today. Right. This is a,
0: the presumptive second overall pick in next year's draft.
1: He's now committed to Boston really? University.
0: Well, and, wow. and here's the thing: um, Macklin Celebrini too. Um, yep. Macklin Celebrini and Iserman played together at Chaddix, if I'm not mistaken.
1: They are. Uh, that is going to be a stacked yes.
0: team. Do they not win Yeah,
1: the Frozen Four now?
0: Well, um, during their time at Shattuck's, needless to say, Macklin benefited from Iserman being such a great goal scorer on the wing there and vice versa, but Macklin was also the guy trying telling Cole, look, we got to play the defensive side of the puck as well. Their last season
1: together, Macklin had 117 points. Iserman lagged behind at just 86 points in 53 games. 53 so, games. Yeah,
0: 173. 170- 17, you said, in 53?
1: You know what? That might have been the U14. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, that was it. That was their uh, U18 level. 117 for Celebrini in 53 game, 52 games. Uh, William Whitelaw, now a draft pick for the Columbus Blue Jackets, was 110
0: in 55. Orange shirt game at BC Place Friday night against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The first 10,000 fans are going to get T-shirts, as the Lions and Riders and CFL observe. National Truth and Reconciliation Day on Saturday. As we mentioned yesterday, the BC Lions getting healthier in the receiving core with Dominic Rhymes going to play. Change on the offensive line. Suk Chung expected to miss the game, but Andrew Pearson's been a starter for them. And then there's Saskatchewan, where former Lion BC, former BC Lion Peter Godber, is their starting center. He's hurt. He hasn't practiced this week. It has been a trouble spot for the Riders to begin with the offensive line. You may be playing a backup center, which calls into question how consistent the snaps are going to be to your quarterback in shotgun formation. And of course, BC is coming off a seven sack performance in Edmonton against the Elks. So there should be a very advantage for the Leos on the line of scrimmage when they're on defense. And, of course, they'll be even with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers going into next week's big contest, again at BC Place, against the reigning defending West Division champs from Winnipeg. And as we've been telling you all week, we're giving away tickets to the game. Not just tickets, though. It comes with a food and bed voucher and a gift card to the team store. Text hashtag Lions. To seven seven eight four zero two ninety six eighty. It's our Great Clips text message inbox. That's hashtag Lions. That's it. Don't add anything else. Grady gets annoyed when you add other things. <laughs> hashtag Lions. We're gonna pick a winner announced tomorrow on the program. We have been tracking the Taylor Swift effect on the National Football League. Yep, and I and I I was thinking about like I think you can say that the NFL and Taylor Swift are the two biggest cultural phenomenon in that country right now. lots. Is there anything bigger than the NFL and Taylor Swift in Mm. that country? Like, she's clearly the biggest artist. No, probably not. Probably not. Probably beats out the top TikTok trend, I would guess. We told you about the 400% spike in Travis Kelsey jersey sales. We told you about the 383 Instagram followers he's added since Sunday. By the way, his podcast is now number one on Apple. Brother Jason was giving giving him the gears. Mm Mm-hmm. Female viewership, age 18 to 49, jumps 63%. There are three times as many on the web for Chiefs. Sales on StubHub for Chiefs games. They've sold more tickets in a single day since they have for any day since the season began. And Blake, Ape which quantifies all these things, believes the subsequent over Taylor Swift at the Chiefs game is worth about $37.8 million in media value. To whom? The NFL or Both. Good, good question. yeah. But I think she does more for the NFL and the Chiefs yes. than
1: they do for her. Well, I mean, honestly, you, I think you said the sentence yesterday or the day before, like, the only thing maybe bigger than the NFL is Taylor Swift. Like,
0: like it really is. I mean, it's like, take a look at the top 100s on U.S. television any year. And like, if them are NFL games. Yeah
1: it's pretty funny and i, I somebody else um what ha- what happens i mean my daughter was saying to me yesterday in the sh- in the uh, car well
0: this is a good question because the price family daughters love taylor swift yeah. and they went to the concert did they even recognize that she was at the game oh, Sunday? i'm getting more it is facilitated far more conversing
1: with my daughters in in any other seven day span i assure you and um one of mine it was saying to me um I really think this could be endgame for Taylor. I really, you know, that that's all the buzz. The 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 Swifties are wondering, you know, if this is really true love. Could this finally be the right? Because really. she dated a lot of actors and like right. high end actors and musicians. John Mayer, yeah. Uh, Ryan Adams, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm. You know, ooh,
0: she wrote a nasty song yeah. about Jake.
1: So, so there's two schools of thought. This is either endgame or can't
0: wait for the breakup album. Wow. one of the two. And Travis Kelsey on his pod said, look, I brought this upon myself. I understand what I'm getting into here. Yes, yeah. Because she does have a history of writing songs about her ex-lovers that are savage. Yes. Got a long list of Mm ex-lovers
1: who think I'm insane. Mm
0: -hmm. And, And I continue to see snippets of the Swifties, some of whom are trying their best to get into football and understand football from those who aren't already football fans. And, of course, there would be massive overlap there. Others who are still a little three hours every Sunday, really? I have to commit to that? It's a it's a long haul. <laughs> I think he can do it. Big one for the Caps tonight in Colorado. Uh, you've got the call on the radio, radio side. side. Yep,
1: on AM730. This is the famous, hopefully not infamous, game in hand. Mm-hmm. This is the makeup, right? Yep. From the game that was weather delayed. Uh, lightninged out. Yeah. Uh you win this game in hand with virtually nobody else uh around you in action. You vault to fourth and you're one point back of second. So the you know, the the, the huge aspirations are back on the table, yep. but you need to this is the this is the five foot putt. It's uphill a- and it's a standalone
0: it. MLS game. The entire league will be watching it, much like the first End of the doubleheader in MLS today where Vancouver Whitecaps and their supporters will root, be rooting hard for Philadelphia to beat FC Dallas, who is in the mix in the West with not many of these East versus West games left of the MLS schedule. Big victory for women's program mm-hmm. beats Jamaica 2-1 yesterday at BMO Field. That qualifies them for the Paris Olympic. The defending reigning. Gold medalist and Olympic champions, not to mention the Gold Cup as well. But the bigger storyline might be Burnaby's Christine Sinclair. Two
1: big stories coming out of this. One is Sinclair who missed two sitter goals, certainly one sitter goal, that in her prime she's – it's not even a doubt. This a continuation
0: of missing some glorious chances Cup. in World Cup. Yeah.
1: And she was a bit of a puddle after the game. She had made some references in previous interviews um, and to
0: confidants that she just wanted to get the team back to the Olympics. So people are wondering whether that was the final bow for Christine Sinclair in a Canadian national team jersey. Yeah,
1: which makes a lot of sense for a lot
0: of reasons. So that could be
1: it. And and the other story that is sort of parallel to that one, they look good. The, The team... The team
0: look, finally, finally looked good. good. And, and they haven't looked good in a damn near two years. Remember, the
1: Jamaicans were kind of the darlings of the World Cup. They mm-hmm. they kind of put themselves on the on the global map there. And neither game were they in. No, I mean the Canada dominated. How, when's the last time the women mm-hmm. dominated a decent bit of opposition? Like, it's been
0: a while. It's been quite a while. Back-to-back matches that they dominated them,
1: so that was heartening.
0: Christine would be 41 at next year's Paris Olympics. She turns 41 in June, so. I mean, bit player to to, to help you get a
1: a lead across the line with 10 minutes left to play, maybe. Or or maybe. maybe just
0: having her there. Yep, yep. Even if you don't have expectations of her playing.
1: And, and, and the U.S. has done this with Rapino and Wambach. They've brought them in at advanced ages just
0: sort of to be there. To be on the bench. Yeah. To be in the room. Yeah. And look, if you happen to be blowing somebody out, and of course in the Olympics you will get some qualifiers who come through weaker qualification zones. That's that the tournament, Maybe yeah. you get them some run. Yeah, maybe. We'll see what's afoot for truly one of the great athletes in the history of this country and certainly in the history of this city, Christine Sinclair FIFA's all-time world goal scorer. We'll get to the wildcard and pennant races in baseball in a second, but the big story in baseball is the passing of Mr. Oriole Brooks Robinson at 86 years old. And listener Harry Blake asked me on Twitter last night, he's got to be the best player to ever come through Vancouver, right? I checked with our friends Barry McDonald and Greg Douglas, who would certainly know the history of baseball in this town. And they both said yes. Barry offered that if you want to engage in the Sammy Sosa right, debate, you right. go right ahead. Yes, yeah. But Robinson, 16 gold gloves, 15 all-stars, an MVP, a World Series MVP, won two World Series, generally considered the greatest defensive third baseman of all time. He continues to hold a North American sports record 23 consecutive seasons with the same franchise. He got to the Baltimore Orioles four months after his 18th birthday and stayed there until 40 with one exception. There was mandatory military service in the late 50s in the United States. And so he baseball to spend some time with the yard. He came back to the bigs, wasn't really in baseball shape. The Orioles had a third baseman. He got demot- demoted to AAA Vancouver. To get back into playing shape and find his timing at the plate, he called the flight to Vancouver the lowest point in his baseball. career. But after hitting three thirty for the then Mounties over a couple of months, he hauled back up. He went to call it in. Brief retro- tour in Vancouver is one of the bright spots of my baseball career, he wrote in his autobiography. Uh, Blake, he retired with a 970 fielding percentage, which was the best of all time at the time of his retirement. Think of that for a second. He played 23 years at third base where a lot of hot shot ground balls are coming at you, and 97% of the time he made the play.
1: Speaking of being in in game shape, I saw a highlight of him yesterday. Maybe it was a lesson about spraying it. It curled around the third base bag, and he-, he he didn't get to it. He was like on the on the wrong side of the third base coach mm-hmm. for the you know. Again, we we're not talking about the athletic specimens of today. Oh, and there's Brooks Robinson from I don't know like three kilometers
0: away. Got the guy by half a stride. Like a close play at the at the at the no. bag. Crazy. Watch him play defensively at that position. And again, we're talking about a guy who played in the fifties and sixties. I think you put him on the field today. He'd be fine. He'd look like it. Like, there's not many guys of that era that could still play. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, as you mentioned, no. athletes have just gotten so yep. better. And it's probably more sports like football and, and hockey. But, anyways, the Vancouver Canadian tweeting. We joined the baseball community in the morning the loss of Brooks Robinson, a member of the 59 Vancouver Mounties who played at Capilano Stadium. Jays lose, Mariners win. Toronto is two up on Seattle for the final wild card. One and a half games up on Houston. And M's needed that victory over the Strohs last night. They're now a half game behind Houston. They have a game in hand. Series finale today, Seattle has to win. They've got a four-pack against Texas to end the season, as we mentioned. Houston is the odd AL team that has to with interleague play against the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are still involved in the National League playoff picture I mentioned it yesterday Blake that if old enough you still get the heebie jeebies thinking of the 1987 season where the Jays went into the final week with a two and a half game lead in the division remember back then there was only one team that made the playoffs out of your division they lost on a Sunday at home then went and got swept by the Milwaukee Brewers and then got swept to Tiger Stadium to fall out. Was it the last game the play- or the penultimate the game last- with Manny
1: Lee through the legs? It was like a Bill Buckner moment for Manny Lee. The
0: last game was the one nothing victory with soft tossing Frank Tanana beating soft tossing Jimmy Key, a pair of lefties. Tanana was a hard thrower back in the day, but at that and Chet Lemon with a home run to left field, the only run, and the Jays lose and blew the playoffs. So, but I think the game before that, Manny Lee Manny had
1: a simple Lee, grounder. He booted it, and that spelled the end of that one.
0: What we do know is for the first time in 30 years, the baseball postseason will go off without the Red Sox, Yankees, or Cardinals. Those three iconic franchises wow. are all done out of it. And, of course, if you're uh, one of the asters, you're some upset about the fact that going to get the Yankees, going to get the... Red Sox or St. Louis, and of course, all their great baseball fans in the in the postseason. Still, some story franchises that are yes. in,
1: though. Of course, Atlanta is. Yeah. La is oh, there. Yeah.
0: I mean, Atlanta is such team. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I think the, the Astros have World Series pedigree, and if they were to wind up winning it, yeah, I could see that. But I, it's going to take a hell of a series if you are going to beat Atlanta and Alex Anthopoulos this year. Before we get to the menu, I just wanted to shout out all our great friends at Yellow Dog, including Mike and Melinda, Coghill, Sydney, and everyone who helped make this year's Make My Pet at Yellow Dog Brewing Star such a massive success. Gang ro- Rose raised $230,000 plus for the BC SPCA With 3,122 entries to make your pet a star and put them on the label of a yellow dog can going forward. Shout out to Mickey, a cat won this year, and owner Chosika, they raised 14,780. Exactly. (laughs) Well, when we had Mike on the show a couple of weeks ago from neighborhood downtown Penticton, he said, Hey, a cat's leading right now. Cat wound up winning. Shout out Navneet and Austin raising 1,400. Thousand six hundred and sixty. Cindy and her dog Dopey raised twelve thousand seven hundred and fifty. Mm. So they're all going on. And then Archie and owner M- uh, Michelle raised two thousand one hundred and sixty-five dollars. They were the the draw. fourth winner from yeah. the random draw. So yes, congratulations to all the winners. And we look forward to seeing Mickey, Austin, and Dopey. On cans of Yellow Dog beer, and for those that saw my little video, going featuring. Sadly, uh, really Cookie and Daisy didn't make didn't make the cut, nor did my little angels, Milo and.
1: But Cookie found her forever home. Lots. So, oh, good. Yeah, so that's
0: that's good. very good yeah. for, for Cookie. Today's menu brought to you by AG One.
1: Drink onecom dot and you know what? If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supping, Try AG1 and get a special offer right now if you go to drinkag1.com slash Price.
0: Frank Corrado joins us. He's going to interpret Rick Tockett for us with regards to the carving of Dakota Joshua yesterday post-practice. He's going to say, and he knows from personal experience, bubble guys at camp and in preseason, what are the do's and don'ts? He's going to reflect back on Corey Schneider's time with the Vancouver Canucks as teammates. In fact, Schneider figures prominently in Frank's memories of his first NHL game. Hashtags are the best in Twitter. We'll get to that, including where the World Cup final in 2026 might be held. And we'll talk to Sean White of the BC Lions, who has celebrated 200 Canadian Football League games. The fellas had a b- a party for him the other night. He's been incredible this year, making 92% of his field goals. And, of course, he has featured prominently in some of the BC Lions social media activity. Which He's
1: got time on his hands, as he'll absolutely. tell you. He doesn't practice every day. His husband,
0: us <laughs> his T-shirt says, Sean White, the Lions kicker. Plus, the return of the golf report brought to you by the Whistler Golf Club as we look forward to the Ryder Cup this weekend in Rome. To some price from wall center presentation applewood auto group head down to the richmond automobile right now applewood nissan's there applewood
1: mitsubishi maybe check out the outlander plug-in edition you know that i still haven't filled up the tank for city driving i admittedly did have to fill the tank up on the way to fanticta for young stars yes city driving a boy have yet to do it. Take one for a test drive and in the month of September, which we're, uh, we're getting out of pretty soon. You got a chance to win $25,000 merely for the test drive. It's all at Applewood because it's all good. At Applewood. Yeah.
0: Those, uh, those numbers at the pump are quite daunting these days. Yeah. Bodog poll question What is the best school attending tandem in Connect's history? Luongo Schneider, Marks from Demco or other. And if you are voting other, please specify in your reply. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, sports thoughts. We'll get into this a little deeper later. The Marcos course in Rome, three drivable par fours and some gettable fives, including 18. There's a Ryder Cup prop. Any hole to be halved with Eagles pays plus 250. Oh, I like it. I think that's almost guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got the foursomes and four ball Friday, Saturday with four matches there each. So you've got... 16 matches, and then all the singles play on Sunday. Surely somebody... No
1: matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at Applewood.com.
0: Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits and the Penticton V's season well underway. It means it's time to visit the Neighborhood Watch. It's a vendor experience at the South Okanagan Event Center. Enjoy your favorite neighborhood beers while attending any event or a Penticton V's game. And Blake and I have been there several times. Fantastic vantage point. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a yellow dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. Secure so some price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Head down to the Richmond Auto Mall right now. Applewood Nissan's there.
1: Applewood Mitsubishi. Maybe check out the Outlander plug-in edition. You know that I still haven't filled up the tank. For city driving. I admittedly did have to fill the tank up on the way to Fenticta for Young Stars. Yes. City driving. a boy. Have yet to do it. Take one for a test driving in the month of September, which we're, uh, we're getting out of pretty soon. You got a chance to win $25,000 merely for the test drive. It's all at Applewood because it's all good at Applewood. Yeah.
0: Those, uh, those numbers at the pump are quite daunting these days. Yeah. Bodog poll question. What is the best school-tending tandem in Canucks history? Luongo Schneider, Marks from Demco, or Other, And if you are voting other, please specify in your reply. Vote on your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. We'll get into this a little deeper later, but the Marco Simoni course in Rome, three drivable par fours and some gettable par fives, including 18. There's a Ryder Cup prop. Any hole to be halved with eagles? Pace 250. Oh, I like I think it. that's almost guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got the foursomes and four ball Friday, Saturday, with four matches there each. So you've got 16 matches and then all the singles play on Sunday. Surely somebody or two guys are going to have a chance to make eagle on some of these holes. And I would think there's a halfway decent chance you're going to see both guys make eagle. So I'm going, holes halved with eagle. Anytime, plus 250 on your Bodog line this of This reminds
1: me a little bit about the match play championship. The final edition of the match play was this year, right? Uh, they're, they're canceling that. But yep. remember they were playing on that... Uh, Austin. Kooky uh, yep. Austin course, which yep. was great because if you're not doing stroke play and you, you don't care, if, there's no minus 30 that makes your course look terrible. It's all hole to hole and begging guys to take
0: risks more on this in the golf report later ah joined by former vancouver canuck and tsn hockey analyst the one and only mr frank corotto how are we doing today frankie
4: good good guys listen i know you guys like to ask me some questions but i think i gotta start by asking you guys a question
0: oh okay away.
4: i'm i'm not new to canucks twitter i think for a long time i distanced myself from it But now that I'm following the team more closely, I have to take an interest in it and what's going on. And that's my question to you guys today is what the hell is going on over there? Oh, because Canucks Twitter is so back. It's not even funny. It is so back. There's like, there's pictures of players at the bar and there's debates Mm -hmm. about that. Then the team's losing 10, nothing in a preseason Mm -hmm. game. Guys are getting carved out by the coach already. Like, Canucks Twitter is so back.
0: <laughs> yeah. Undefeated. Canucks Twitter is undefeated, as we always People
4: say. will never know. They'll never know. You,
0: you texted me about the photo of the players out at the bar in Victoria having a drink at, at training camp. And, and what's your take? You think that's just offside?
4: It's just a weird thing to do. It's like, let the guys have a night to just, you know, they're just having a couple beers. They don't need to publish it. I'll tell you what, man. I remember when I was first in Vancouver, surprise, surprise, we were at the Roxy one night and I saw a phone come out and like this person, I guess, forgot to turn the flash off and someone caught that out of the corner of their eye. Let's just say that phone was confiscated and was very close to getting smashed off that carpet floor at the Roxy. Oh, no. Very close. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow.
0: (laughs) Yeah, what happens in the Roxy stays. Also, what I, Ro- what I don't get about that shot in the pub is
1: they were just sitting down at chairs on chairs talking. Like if yeah. they were dancing on tables, uh, maybe there is a little bit more of a of a yeah. notable moment I mean, there. They're just know, there. They're, like the
0: thing is, when, when when players go out in public, you are out in public, so you have to understand that there will be members of the public who are going to notice you, recognize you, and yes, in today's yeah. day and age, take cell phones now, take cell phone photos now. For me, it would be, and, you know, this goes back to guys like Alan Page and Bill Russell, who always talked about this. Like, you want my autograph? You want my photo? How about having a moment instead? Come on up. Introduce yourself. All Say school, hello. Baby. We we don't we don't bite. We'll we'll have a good moments there where we'll have a, a conversation for a second or a two. Yeah. You know, like to me that would be more yeah transactional. Uh,
1: give me your autograph is way less special than right having like a three minute conversation with the person. Yeah, or yeah. even
0: or wow. even thirty seconds yeah. or so. Like that's it's something okay, that you, know? you can. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's something you can tell your buddies or your kids or whatnot. Hey, I talked to Elias Pedersen today. Hey, I talked to JT Miller today. As yeah. opposed to, here's a surreptitious shot of Canucks at a bar <laughs> having a beer. A
4: way, here's a picture of them. Here's proof, by the way, yeah. online. Anyway, because where so bad. Because
0: as Roberto once said to us, and we're going to get into Mr. Luongo here in a second, alongside, of course, his uh, longtime running mate, Corey Schneider, he never had a single bad experience with a Canucks fan in person around town and that's because most fans when they see a great nhl player or any nhl player don't go up and start carving them or anything like that that's for keyboard warriors right no, when they see them in person it's yeah. actually a really positive experience Completely,
1: yeah well that's that's just the humanity twitter exactly. in twitter in like, total yeah. it
0: takes a lot of stones to go up to a stranger who is a celebrity and say something negative to them.
4: So I, I completely agree. Like my experiences, whether it's been in Vancouver or, or at home here, it's just like, hey, noticed you there. Just wanted to say hi. Watched you when you were on the team. You know, great mm-hmm. stuff. Like no exactly. one ever comes up to you. like, you stink. If anything, if they were going to do that, you can kind of tell. There's a little tell. It's like you kind of make eye contact with the person. Then a little light bulb goes off. You can see their eye kind of go higher like that. And you're like, mm-hmm. you know, but they're not going to say anything. I think they think I stink, so they're not (laughs) going to (laughs) say anything.
1: That's
0: awesome. Um, You know Rick Talkett pretty well. Now, my take is he's picking on Dakota Joshua for one of two reasons. Number one, people view Joshua as one of his guys. He played well for him at the end of last season, called him a 20-goal scorer, and decided to message the group, look, uh, I'm going to go at this guy, which means none of you were safe, you know, or that he just had a bad summer and, and uh, there are repercussions for that. But he said Joshua had to pick it up and that he's fighting for a job, Frankie, which is, yeah. you know, like, I think he's on the team by any way you slice it, but maybe there's upward mobility of third line. Maybe he's 13th forward if yeah. things go poorly, but you do the talk and interpretation. On these Joshua comments for me,
4: I, I was I was a little surprised to see those comments because when I think of Dakota Joshua, I'm like, that's you know, like, that's a talking kind of guy, like works hard, good engine, kind of feisty, um, you know, n- not shy to get his nose dirty in the game. But I think you're on to something with with your first take on the interpretation. And I'm not going to go so far as to say like he's calling out his guy because he know he can handle it. I'll put it to you this way. There's so many meetings with with the brass, whether it's the coaches, the management, any kind of player personnel people. They're having all these meetings all summer. And if Talkit is constantly going into those meetings and talking up this player, being like, I really like this guy. I have big plans for him. And that's the constant messaging that you are putting forward in those meetings. And then he goes out to camp and doesn't play so well and doesn't look good. And then you go back into a meeting and guys are like, well, the guy you were talking up all summer, by the way, doesn't look very good. He's not gotten off to a great start. He's not playing with energy. He's not getting his nose there. He can't play with the puck. And if that starts happening in the meeting, that's what you get with talking in the media, kind of calling out the guy, being like, that's the way I would interpret it. It's like, I've been pushing for this guy all summer, talking him up. Then he goes out there and his performance is subpar. Like, now you're going to hear it from me, from me in a little more of a harsh way. Like, let's get going here. Because, Matt, I do agree. I think that's a talk-it kind of guy, if you want to use that quote-unquote uh, interpretation. And he does want him to to be his guy. But if he's not going to play well enough, everyone else around talk-it is going to be like, well, I thought this guy was better. I, I thought that guy was better. And eventually, at the end of the day, your play does the talking. So... I agree with you there. I think it's a little bit of a message sent, and I, I don't think it's like, hey, I hate you as a player now. I think it's, I like you as a player, but I see you as this, and you can be this, but you have to do it for me.
1: Expectation is, is uh, it's a huge thing, isn't it? I mean, going into a training camp, the player's expectations of himself. The coach has expectations of a player. The GM has expectations of both coach and player i mean it's uh, it's a it's a cocktail that can that can backfire it can blow up it's uh, it's a dangerous thing almost
4: and and they're all so intertwined right yeah. like a lot of the individual performances tie into what is going to go on with the team like i am at, like listen it's preseason right you lose a game 10 nothing i don't care what roster you iced it's not a good feeling for anyone involved there's so much prep work that goes into a training camp in the preseason And to go get blown out 10-0 like that, I think it's one of those things where something needs to change here with the team. If they want to be in the playoffs, if they want to be knocking on the door. So it's like, okay, you can't really go after the team performance because ultimately you iced that roster. You chose to send that roster to Calgary to get the, the, the door blown out. But what you can do, like Matt said, is pick someone that maybe you think can handle it. You think like has that genetic kind of makeup to withstand it and say, hey, man, like, your performance needs to elevate because that's going to elevate someone above you's performance. And ultimately, that's going to keep going up and up the ladder. Um, And and as a group, that's how you kind of get better and and achieve more. But I will say, like, the the roster that they sent to Calgary, they should have sent a better roster. I'll be 100% honest with you. Like, I I know – it's the first game and it's, you know, you're, you're on the road, but Calgary had some pretty good players in the lineup. And I don't think you're doing a service to many of the guys that actually played in that game for Vancouver, because how do you evaluate them now? They lost 10, nothing. They barely had an AHL roster. How are you going into a meeting now evaluating anyone that was on that ice? The game was over before anything even happened. So I think that was a mistake on their part. Like how you need to have, a little more of a, a veteran presence. If you want to evaluate some of the younger players, put them in a position to do well. And they didn't do that.
0: Yeah. And uh, Takita said, they're going to do a better, address a better lineup tonight in Edmonton and tomorrow in Seattle. Frankie, you've been that guy on the spot in training camp and in preseason, the guy who could, you know, start on the big team or be one of the final cuts for those bubble guys. What are the do's? What are the don'ts here? as you go through preseason in the final couple weeks before the season opener and the roster
4: deadline. That was, you know what? That was my whole life basically in the NHL, every training camp. I, I don't think I ever went into a training camp really feeling like I was solidified. There's such a laundry list of do's and don'ts. It's funny though. Like when you ask me that question, the very first thing I think of is game related. And you know how in Seinfeld, George Costanza, I don't know if you're a Seinfeld fan. But George Costanza, he had this thing going where he would say something funny, get a little bit of a laugh out of everyone in the room, and he'd say, all right, I'm out. I'm out of here. You guys have a great day. And he was gone. And he constantly left this good taste in everyone's mouth. It's almost – I kind of thought about that as like my shift to shift, whether it was in a scrimmage or a preseason game. It was like, okay – I don't need to be out here for 55 seconds on this shift, but at the 35 second mark, if I just made a nice outlet pass and we got out of the the zone and I'm like, I'm going to go for a change. It was like that constant feedback loop of like, let's just hit a single here, let's hit a double here, and let's not stay, let's not get into trouble, let's not, let's not, because it's early in the season, you know, conditioning is still, you know, getting up to par, it's like, let's just keep leaving a good taste in the mouth of of whoever's watching, Um, that's one of the things, and I think just, you know, your body language around the rink is really important, how positive are you, how upbeat are you, how low maintenance are you, all that kind of stuff because if you're going to be a bubble player, if you're going to be a 13th forward, you're going to be a 7th or an 8th defenseman, you have you're in no position to be any kind of headache for anyone. So you just need to slide under the radar, be as quiet as possible and just let your play do the talking and ultimately you go out there, you know, you keep kind of building good shift by good shift, good period by good period. You know, you kind of figure they sit around in those meetings after and they're like yeah, it was pretty good. I didn't notice anything bad. In fact, it's like you know, his whole kind of mindset and attitude would lead us to believe this would be a good guy to have up here, whether it's on the first call-up basis or the extra guy basis. So life on the bubble is interesting. You know, There's a little more thought in, involved than people might think. Yeah. I
0: think well, he- in third pair defense and fourth line, a single is a home run. A double is a grand slam, right? Because all you're trying to do – is stay even with the other side and make sure you're not the guy who scored on. I think Sorry you should have
1: it. gone uh, one step further after a good shift, like in the early second, just like walked off the ice. Just be like, yeah. no, I, I, I'm good. I put, I put it forth here. I'm done here. Drop the mic. <laughs> I, d- I told this to my daughter. She was in tryouts the other day, and I, and she was like, it was a long tryout process, and I was like, you know what? Score a goal early and then fake an injury and then get off the ice, and you know yeah. you've done your thing, you know? It just close on a high note. <laughs> And sure enough, she scored early. And that's so why I was warning all the parents, she's about to get injured. Watch. She's about to get injured, and we're getting out of here. We've
0: got to pick up dinner on the way home. She she dad's got I mean, plenty of errands to run here.
4: Here's, here's the ultimate formula, okay? You get out there, it's like the first period. You have a good first shift. You get out on the forecheck if you're a forward D-man, couple nice breakout passes, whatever the case may be. You take a five in a game, and you get kicked out in the preseason. In the meeting after, they're like, we got to put him in for another game, I guess. We got
1: to see fun. him. We got to see we
4: gotta him. him. Yeah. saw him for 12 minutes. So we, we <laughs> yeah. got to get him in again, right? <laughs>
0: uh, Frank, we want to uh, move on here. Your former teammate, beloved former Vancouver Canuck goaltender, Corey Schneider, has announced his retirement. You were right there for all of it. Uh, Schneider coming on up. And of course, Schneider and Luongo. And the who's your goalie tonight, AV? The guy who gives me the best chance to win. Uh, What can you say about Corey Schneider as a teammate?
4: I mean, First of all, just one of the nicest, nicest guys you could ever meet. And he was like that every single day. Like, you talk about low maintenance and guys that, you know, aren't a problem. It was like, this guy was so happy to come to the rink every day to do his work. Um, Actually, I had a little, um, my first NHL game, Corey Schneider played that game against Chicago. I remember leaving the rink in the morning for morning skate schneider must have said something to me like good luck tonight you know have fun it was it was nice and Roly melanson was right there and we were in the lounge and um schneids walks out you know because he's leaving the rink he's going to his car i'm just waiting for a for a ride i think and Roly kind of like goes to me he goes you're in good hands tonight you got one of the best goalies in the world behind you tonight he goes just think about that i'm like yeah you're right. He goes, So yeah. have fun. Don't worry about it. Go play. And I'm like, it was true at the time. Corey was one of the best goaltenders in the world. He was probably one of the most underrated goaltenders at the world. That would have been the the, the lockout shortened season. Um and, and after the game when we we won. We beat Chicago three-one. I went to go, you know, do the, the fist bump to Corey after the game, and he had the game puck in his glove and he put it in my hand. He goes, Great job out there. That's for you. Take that home. And I mean, I still have the puck. It was just, just a, just a classy, classy individual. The way him and Roberto were able to handle all that, um, you know, basically being on a team with two bona fide number one goaltenders, and um, you know, the class that they both had was was pretty incredible to see. And even just, you know, the hard work. Like there were nights where Corey wasn't playing. And Roley would would put him through the car wash, you know, with the healthy scratches after practice. I'm sure you guys were there, you saw, like it wasn't like, hey, morning skate is finished, you're a really good goalie. Yeah, get out of here and hit the showers. It was like, no, Roberto's playing tonight. Like there's a there's a full on car wash waiting for you after practice. And so, I mean, the the work ethic was next level and uh, he was just an outstanding guy to be around.
0: If I had a nickel for every time I saw Corey Schneider walk into that dressing room absolutely drenched head to toe, because here was the thing. Roly was brought in to be a boss. Roberto sort of had like caretaker buddy goaltender coaches before that. Roly was brought in to be a boss, and boy was he, boy was he ever. What a marvelous story, Frank. And you know, we had him on the show last year, and we said, you know, Corey, do you have any regrets? You, you spent some of your prime years on the bench behind Roberto, got a late start. You know, then all of a sudden, you're the guy who gets traded to New Jersey, not Roberto. And then all of a sudden, you know, you start getting the health problems. And he gave us an answer Blake, do you remember this? He's like, Guys, I played 400 NHL games. I made all this money, made all these friends, teammates, had all these amazing experiences. I don't regret a single thing. Don't anybody ever feel sorry for me? Yeah. Because I've had a blast of the perfect answer. In my yeah. hockey career. I mean, he's genuinely one of the most authentic, down-to-earth, funny, smart guys I've ever been, um, had the privilege to be uh, associated with and cover over the years. You bring up
1: an interesting comment, though, when you say that you went out in front of him and and – You know, you got this reassurance that you're playing in front of the best goalies in the world. Did you ever get the feeling with backups that were a little less decorated that I got to do something different tonight because we don't have the backstopping of a number one? Because that's a cliche that gets trotted out a lot that teams play different in front of the backup because maybe they're trying to do something differently. How much how important is the backup to guard against that?
4: I would say in the American League a little more. Yeah, really Yeah, in the NHL, it it never really crossed my mind. I think in the NHL, it was one of those things like both these guys are fantastic goalies. They're in the NHL. I mean, I think of some of the backups I would have played in front of. And if you want to call them that, they're all great goalies. You know, Corey Schneider, Eddie Lack. I think when I got to Toronto, there was Jonas Enroth, who had a really good NHL career. Curtis McElhaney. Even some of the younger guys like Garrett Sparks, you know, like... I think I was just always in a position where the backup goalie was a really good goalie. The only time you think about that, I'll be honest with you is when you're in the minors and you maybe you got a goalie called up and you're playing a back to back and some guy comes up from the coast and he's got a white bucket and he's got all white pads <laughs> and you're like, this guy just, just got in with like some kind of car service from Kalamazoo and we have no idea who he is. Yeah, He's going in to that tonight. And that's the only time you think about it. In the NHL, they're all good goalies.
1: He's got brown pads. Uh, <laughs> you know, non
0: colored team. This guy will
4: open up like he opens up his hockey bag, and you can tell like they don't have a great ventilation system. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And it's just <laughs> yeah. it's just a different odor than what we got cooking in the American League.
0: Yeah, I, I will say this: um, equipment guys around the league made great progress on the odor. Over my tenure covering the national Hot, because when I first started going into rooms, particularly the visitors' room at the ACC, there was a pungency. I mean, it was a little bit Green Panther. Ron, did Jeremy you see stinging the nostrils? And it's much, much better now.
1: Bar down did that tour of the UND, the North Dakota dressing oh, yeah, room with the ventilated hangers in each stall. Have you ever seen that in the NHL? Yeah. That each yeah. stall was ventilated.
4: A lot of the like a lot of the the home rooms will have that. I don't know, but yeah some of the newer visitor rooms are doing that there's a few i haven't seen but yeah that's a that's a popular thing and like good good and and (laughs) clean clean the equipment too i remember like there are all all the teams i played for were very diligent about making sure the equipment got cleaned very grateful Mm. for that
0: that's the sort of insight you yeah. get from Frank Carrado, ladies and Room gentlemen. Room ventilation. Why we're so yes. pleased to have him on <laughs> weekly at Securus and Price. Uh, we're talking. Uh, Corey was scheduled to join us today. He's feeling sick, so we're going to try and catch up tomorrow. We're going to pass along your story, Frank.
4: Okay? Awesome. Thank you.
0: and Price from Wall Center, presentation, Applewood Auto Group, and hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter.com, brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. Jason has helped thousands of happy clients secure over a half billion dollars in residential and commercial mortgages, included a bunch of and Price listeners, and we thank you for calling Jason. We thank Jason for helping you. Jason's approachable style, deep expertise will help you navigate the mortgage process with ease. Find them. At Jason, Dodd Mortgage. Uh, I want to yeah go ahead. Go, well, I wanted to start off just because we had a bit of a battle with uh, NHL PR and one of their posts last week about Patrick Kane being a point per game player as an eighteen year old. Right, and they meant two months of his rookie season, not when even he like was, six weeks. When yeah, he was eighteen, yeah. not the entirety of the season. So here's one where again NHL PR puts it out. But it does require more context. They put out a post, Blake, about how Sidney Crosby can get to 1,000 assists in his career this year. He is at 952 assists over his illustrious career in 1,190 uh, games, 952 Assists, and in fact, if he gets to a thousand assists, as the post notes, he will join exclusive company. In fact, only thirteen players in the history of the league have produced is that a playoff and regular season. Uh, is this is just regular season, okay. is my understanding. He will catch Mark Recchi this year at nine fifty six. He will catch Doug Gilmore, and he may even catch Joe Sakik, who's thirteenth overall with a thousand and sixteen assists. But as Paul Peduty at adjusted hockey reminds us Sidney Crosby missed huge parts of four seasons in the in his late 20s yeah. at the peak of his powers. Concussions played an issue there. So did lockouts.
1: Mumps. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> so he's done the math. If he had not missed those four seasons, or chunks of those four seasons, his games played would be roughly, and I think he's accounting for some degree of injury. Right, right? yeah. 1,249. And his assists would be at 1,039 already, not to mention 614 goals compared to the 550 he has now, and 1,653 points compared to the 1,500 that he has now. So basically, if we look at Sydney and say, if he had been able to play in those seasons, right now, Blake, 1653 would have him as the fifth leading scorer in history. Slightly ahead of Sackic, and about 70 or so points behind his mentor and one-time boss, Mario Lemieux. Hmm, do I have a different
1: list in you? I, would, I have that as being ninth. Mario Iserman, Dion Francis, Hal Messier, Yager, and Gretzky.
0: If he's at sixteen fifty three, yeah,
1: he would be. Oh, on. sorry.
0: Yes, you're right. Ninth. He would be yeah. ninth. My bad. Yeah.
1: But yeah, that makes a difference. And but it, it's just crazy when we were
0: kids, Gretzky was unattainable. It was just unattainable. Like it was just silly to think about. Mm-hmm. It. I still think Ovechkin is going to have more trouble than some believe getting him in goals. And I do think Red Gretzky's points
1: are probably unattainable. Well, they but, are
0: clearly unattainable. Yeah.
1: But just even getting to 2,000 points
0: seemed crazy to think. Can and he, no one's done it. <laughs> Nobody's done it, but Jager might have had he not taken the uh, sojourn back to Europe. If he had stayed a NHL player, Jager with 79 more points. I think that would have been doable for him. Does Sid have five more years left in him? Mm. See that's where these
1: points come in handy. Like if right. if he's at sixteen forty or whatever it is, mm-hmm. he needs three, four, four more seasons. seasons. Yeah, he needs four more seasons. I, you he's know,
0: at fifteen
1: oh two. Yeah, but as he, he adjusted, r- brings him up yeah. to sixteen. What yeah. what has been robbed of him? I mean mm-hmm. he he would have had a chance to get to two thousand. Mm-hmm. It's pretty unlikely uh, at this point. Uh, following this story again, folks, just because I think you just you have to monitor it for yourself as a Canuck fan or a whatever fan. At Tim Bontemps, and I believe it is Tim Bontemps, not Bontemps. I don't believe he goes by the French pronunciation.
0: ask Thomas Trance. They're good buddies. Oh, really? Thomas's uh, PR days down in Florida. Oh, I see. There's Uh, there's a good story there. I'll let TD tell it, though.
1: New ESPN story. The Jazz became the latest team to unveil a direct-to-consumer streaming option on Wednesday, which they hope, combined with delivering games to a much wider broadcast audience, could eventually provide the same dollar value as prior... Regional Sports Network deals. Here's the the winning quote here of this whole thing. Um, to be honest, this is from the team, uh, official team, to be honest, it was just a ton of friction. And second, I believe the regional sports networks and the local cable, there's going to be a lot of movement in that area. And I personally don't think the Jazz need to be a part of that roller coaster. Yeah. And and that's it. We just have no idea what this looks like going yeah, fair, forward. Fair fans will have the option to buy games for five bucks a piece, or pay fifteen fifty a month, mm-hmm. or buy the year for one twenty five
0: fifty. If you buy the year, you get a pair of upper bowl tickets to yeah. a select home game as well. So I think the Jazz, like the Golden Knights before them, and we did that story this week, have just concluded that eventually they're going to be doing this anyways. So you might as well get a jump start. Right. I think a lot of teams know full well that this is going to be the model going forward. They just don't want to have to put in the infrastructure now. It's it's going to be
1: very interesting to see, again, what those prices look like. Because that, again, you, are you going to cancel your ESPN and your cable deal that gives you TNT and stuff like that because this is the case? I doubt Probably it. Probably not. So then it's just added consumer expense. So they've got to figure out the economy of scale here eventually, but it's interesting. At Aaron underscore
0: Karolnik, radio host in Toronto. Great guy. Mm-hmm. Very good dude. The Argos sitting Chad Kelly and presumably others on Friday at Winnipeg. The game means nothing for Toronto. It's on the road with the 150th anniversary game the following week. For the Argos, the right call. But for the CFL and its fans, this is about as big a buzzkill as, as you can imagine. Toronto is 12-1 and has already clinched the East Division final. they got five games left. As Aaron mentions, they are the oldest professional sports club in North America and will be celebrating a century and a half next week, and I suspect you'll see guys like Joe Theisman and some of the greats from Argos history go back. The problem is there are 32,000 tickets sold in Winnipeg on Friday for what was supposed to be a clash of the Titans, first place in the West, first place in the East, Grey Cup rematch, and all of that jazz. And now the Argos will be trotting out a preseason lineup. I mean... Winnipeg fans get to see the home side win, Probably, I suppose. Yeah, um, and, and if you're the Lions, you're a little sore about this because you're basically handing the Bombers a W. And let's face it, this is one of the more difficult games for Winnipeg left. The um, yeah, you might have earmarked this as a help game, right? If you're the Lions, you're looking at it going, we beat Saskatchewan, and Toronto goes in there and wins and twelve and one. They've done a lot of winning this year. Only losses in Calgary. You tell me when when teams do this in the NBA
1: in particular doesn't happen as much in the NHL. Is there a bigger risk of bl- like an embarrassing historic blowout in those sports or in football? To me it just feels like football there's a bigger risk of like a, a 70 spot
0: being put on and the, the reason Argos. being is that in football there's a playbook so you have to be you in have certain to know spots it. and you've got to know that. Yeah. And secondly, in football, the backups don't get a ton of reps. No, and, and now they
1: will this week for Toronto. And 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 good teams sometimes feel like a house of cards. Like all those cards are in the perfect spot. You remove one of those critical cards, and things can fall it's apart. It's The
0: most interconnected game out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's the one worry. And we've, here. Seen, and we've seen it. Great quarterback on bad teams almost never look good. No, can't protect him. Don't care how great he is. Right. Exactly. You don't have guys to catch the ball. Good running backs to take the pressure.
1: Doesn't matter. Right? So you need things in the right place. At Seattle Kraken, welcome back, Tip. We're excited to announce that Dave Tippett is returning to the organization as a coaching consultant. Mm. Kind of neither here nor there in the announcement, although I do wonder is this the Kraken insulating themselves for a step back season that if Hackstall can't guide them to success again this year, mm. they have someone there to take over and because what what does what is Dave Tippett famous for? grinding out points, being safe, and keeping embarrassment low. Is this an insurance plan if the Kraken have a step-back season? I'll
0: say this. um, If I'm Dave Hacksaw, I'm none too pleased about this. I probably wouldn't be either. Frankly, he was, to me, did one of the better coaching jobs last year. But again, I mean, got that team to game seven of the second round.
1: Is it repeatable for Seattle? Yeah,
0: I don't know. And lastly, shout out Coach Nil and everyone out at UBC. At three down nation, Windsor UBC entered the top five in U Sports football. Number five ranked Thunderbirds are 4 and 0. They have played three home games. They're on the road at a ranked Saskatchewan team this weekend, but it's a sensational offense. They got one home game left, and I think I'm going to make my way out there to go see it. So good on Blake Nil and that UBC Thunderbirds football program. There's still a post-secondary football program in town, Blake. Yes, and a great and location doing. too.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, final one for me at Bowdog CA. <laughs> Bowdog rewind. This day, 1998. In his final at bat of the season, Mark McGuire blasts his historic 70th home run of the year off now, Expo's pitcher. <sighs> I wouldn't have got this, but he's he's. I mean, the starter or reliever. I I mean, he was a starter I, at that point. I don't know Steve Traxel. No,
0: did he ever play for the Carl? East? No, I think he was a former Mariner at one point. Carl Pavano. Oh right. Big time pitching prospect. Did he not come over in the Pedro Martinez deal? I want to say he was the centerpiece of the Pedro Martinez deal. Did he
2: win the World Series with the
1: Marlins? I want to say maybe Uh, he was on the Marlins. I was uh, easy knows he was not a Mariner at any point. Twins, Guardians, Yankees, Marlins, Nationals. Yeah,
0: but he was the centerpiece in the Pedro deal, if I'm not mistaken. From where to where? Well, when Montreal traded Pedro Martinez to the Red Sox, I want to say Carl Pavano was. He was a draft sig- he was a Red Sox draft pick. Yeah, yeah. I want to say it was the young uh, hotshot pitching. With roster. Tony Armas Jr. Right. Yeah. Uh lastly for me at Joe Pompliano, who's almost on hashtags every day. Yeah, he's he's good. that good a yeah. follow, yeah. folks. P O M P L I A N O. FIFA is reportedly deciding between three cities to host the twenty six men's World Cup final New York, Los Angeles, Dallas. Dallas feels like the outlier, but I think they'll get it. Here's the rationale. US, uh, New York, LA, obviously the two biggest markets, the most hotel rooms, the international airports, all the corporate money, but here are the negatives, New York City, MetLife, outdoor venue, game could be delayed by weather, they don't want that, public transportation to and from MetLife Stadium, not very good, and it's in the swamps of New Jersey, there's nothing to do around the stadium, no festival, Los Angeles, SoFi, incredible venue, right? It's got 70,000 seats. There's an 80,000 seat minimum to host the World Cup final. So if I's only got 70, eh? I'm surprised mm-hmm. it didn't go bigger. The stadium would also need to renovate its floor plan to even fit a soccer field. No, really? They can't even do soccer there right now. Huh. Now, you could go Rose Bowl or Coliseum. I believe Rose Bowl hosts the games in 90, when did they host the World Cup? 96? Yeah. But of course, those are older venues. Uh, also, the problem 94. with LA, the game would have to kick off at noon, local time. So do, they don't like the short build-up. No build yeah. So he says that leads me to AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas, which has already hosted Super Bowls, college football national championships, men's NCAA Final Four, WrestleMania. It's an airport, fifteen minutes away. The stadium holds a hundred thousand people. The climate can be controlled by the retractable roof. And, of course, uh, they have those nice luxury boxes that would sell for six figures plus for the World Cup. Final. Yeah, I, I, I mean, they're not wrong. 4,000 jobs and hundreds of millions of dollars in economic activity just for the one game, Blake, for the Men's World Cup final. Um. I mean, Dallas doesn't
1: have the hotels probably of the other two cities, but it's probably well, pretty out, good.
0: The, I mean, the stadium's not exactly downtown, but as you know, we were in Dallas. Yeah, it's a very sprawling city, huh? I like his logic. Yep, and that's hashtags for today. Well, our next guest has been at it since 2007 in the Canadian Football League. I hate that you make that sound like it's a long time ago. By well, way. I just, I remember him as the young understudy DePaul McCallum, but now he's this uber CFL veteran on his way to 38 years old next month and having a hell of a season for the BC Lions. It's our pleasure to welcome back to Sakeris and Price, Lions place kicker, Mr. Sean White. How you doing?
3: I'm great. Thank you for having me back.
0: You're more than welcome. You're always welcome on this show. We've had great fun with you over the years. Unlike McCallum, who used to punt footballs at us.
3: <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah. When we were
1: on location, you never did that, show, So we we remember yes. that sort of
3: thing. Well, rookie then. I'll do it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Right. Um. Not only have things been going well for you on the field, and and we'll get to that in a second, but. Uh, going back to training camp where you post as a fan on fan day in the husband material t-shirt and went about interviewing at a boy.
2: <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> He's wearing it. Sean's got
0: five of those. He wears yeah, one under his yeah. uniform every day. Um, and with all the great work that Baker and Nick are doing on social, you've become a social media star here Am I? on the Lions channels. Oh, hell yeah.
3: Uh, yeah, they told me I had like three hundred thousand views. I'm like, man, maybe I should start a TikTok. I, I tried it for one day and I quit. I don't know how to use these things anymore. So, I'm old, man. I, I'm like, uh, I'm like those old guys that didn't know how to use a computer. Now I just don't even know how to use a phone. I don't know anymore, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For
0: those who missed it, he went around Fan Day in disguise, husband material T-shirt, but ball cap and glasses, asking for players' autographs and, and more or less chiding them from the fans. Side yeah. of the fence. And
3: the worst part about that is that's what I wear every day, and still no one recognized me. So that's <laughs> really sad.
1: <laughs> and, and how about the golfing video where you went golf? Where were you guys golfing? Winnipeg, or where were you?
3: Which Which one? Me and Keenan LaFrance? Yeah. yeah. That was for uh, Tourism Camelouks. That was, uh, oh, okay. right. it was a yeah, right, right. golf course or something like that. And,
1: mm-hmm. and what did you shoot that day?
3: Oh, I, I don't even know. I was just trying to be Keenan. I, I, I didn't play that great. That was a, an executive course. Uh, so we just wanted. To, I just wanted to be keen. I didn't really keep track. I just know I beat him yeah. by like four or five, and that's all that matters.
1: Are you a, a golfer per se?
3: Yeah, I golf a lot. Yeah, um, yeah okay. Yeah, I'm a, I think I'm about right now. I'm on a six point two handicap right now. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, very right. good.
0: You are a golfer.
3: Yes, mm-hmm. get it lower, but we'll see.
0: Yeah. Now. A cynic would say it's because kickers have a lot of time.
3: <laughs> no, it was, that's, it's because we're the real athletes. That's why. Uh, <laughs> right, right. You're multi sport athletes. You're the
0: precision yeah, athletes. Yeah, right. right. Um, Tell me about your season because uh, just the one missed extra point and you're kicking the hell out of the ball on field goals. It's 37 of 40, so a 92.5%. How do you feel about your year so far?
3: Uh, good. Uh, my goal every year is to be over 90% uh, or at least 90%. So anything under 90, I'm not very happy with. So uh, I think last year I was 92% or something like that. So my goal was to beat that. And my stupid last miss was all on me because I gave you a – I thought i tried to club down, give you my more accurate club when I should have just clubbed up and aimed for the fat of the green. So Mm -hmm. I tried to get cute with it, and it really made me mad. If I just swing my normal swing, it's no problem. I was short on a 50-yarder, so – it looks like I'm old and losing strength, but I, I still have it. I just swung like a like a o
0: <laughs> So w- what what's your range then? Perfect uh, conditions, indoor BC place. What's your range?
3: Well, that's the thing. Is people think it's perfect in the dome. It's just it's sea level, so it doesn't travel as good. You got guys like a Brett Lothar comes in. He goes, man, I'm making 65s in practice all week in SAS. I come here, I can barely make a 52. So it's, it is tough, but uh, I'd say – For me, around fifty-five yards uh, would be my longest in in the dome. But like we went to again, we go to Sask. I hit a sixty-five and warm up. So it depends where you go. If you go to Calgary too, if you, I could hit. I hit a seventy-five and warm up a few years ago. So it's above sea level. It's like kicking in Denver. So Mm fifty-five yards, I think, would be around my max in the dome. I I always tell the coaches with a nice, easy swing, fifty-two yards. But I got lots in the tank if you need it.
0: Mm. Does roof open or roof closed make a difference?
3: It's I'd actually rather it open because when they close it, they put on air conditioning, and that ball will actually start reacting to the those strong really. Air and then what they do is, and other kickers have talked about it, they open up the east entrance, and it actually creates like a wind. Yeah. So that one I was short. I thought I hit it good enough to get there, but you could see the the flags were actually kind of moving. So, but on the other end, we always say like I tell Rick Campbell. It, it's downhill to False Creek that way, or we kick uphill to to Costco that way. So that's kind of what we say. So it's uphill that way to me, downhill towards the west.
0: Sean, is a perfect season attainable for a place kicker these days? Like Blake and I have remarked in the 12 years we've been doing this show, I'm not sure there's been an area of sports that we cover that has improved more than football place kicking. You yeah. watch guys now in the NFL, in the CFL, at the high college level, and it's incredible the distance they have, and the accuracy just keeps to get better and better and better. Is a perfect season attainable?
3: In um, your view, in my head, it's you know, it is, and that's what I always try to achieve. But it's just like a golf, like again, I, I, I again, I golf a lot, so it's just like a golfer. You're gonna you're gonna shank one, you're gonna miss, and it's like what the heck just happened? Everything felt good, and just came off the club wrong came off the foot wrong but yeah in my head i prepare like i'm gonna go and have a perfect perfect season um and then obviously after the first miss that's over with but uh it's very tough i I, that's always what i shoot for Uh, i just when i miss it's because i talked myself out of the kick and -hmm. that's what drives me nuts i always say if i was smarter i'd be way better so Mm i (laughs) yeah
1: we were amazed uh, yesterday we didn't we realized it's been a number of years since you guys have made the playoffs in back-to-back years um and uh here you will be how much more fun is the season when you know that your kicks are going to mean more uh as a 500 team you're you're maybe not sure if you're making the playoffs, if you're if you've got the chance to win a playoff game with a kick, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you must be tickled that uh, you, you get this chance the second year in a row, and, and perhaps to do something even greater, given the pedigree of the club this year.
3: Yeah, and uh, it, it, it's obviously it sucks when you're you're not on a winning team, and it's almost you got to play for yourself at that point, and you just got to keep, you know, I got to stay on point and not give in to what's going on around me. But now I'm surrounded by nothing but success and. I'm on a great organization with great, from the top down, ownership down. We are so solid. And um, I had my 200th game last week, and the guys honored me yesterday with a with a football and standing ovation. I told them how special this team really is. I've only been on two really special teams, uh, 2015 uh, Edmonton team where, you know, we were brothers, we did everything together. And, uh, you know, we had each other's backs, we were always down by seven going the fourth quarter, but we had them right where we wanted every time. (laughs) And uh, it's just the belief we had in each other, we played for one another, and we went on to win a great cup. And the second most uh, special team I've been on is this one. And we, you know, we go fishing together, we go golfing together, we go on trips together. uh, And, you know, we fight and bicker like brothers, but we get over it like family, man, that's this That's the best atmosphere I've ever been a part of. And so, yeah, when I make those kicks now, I make it for those guys because they're busting their butts, putting their bodies on the line. The least I could do is make my kick and be accountable to my teammates.
1: You're a high event team, though, too. I mean, it says a lot that you guys stay this tight because lots happens in a BC Lions football game.
3: Well, uh, winning helps everything. uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) But uh, we are a bunch of winners, man. And like that game against Ottawa when we came back, there was nobody on the sideline uh, pointing fingers at anybody. It was, let's go. We got these. We can make it happen. We just need a spark. Just need that spark. And then Terry House won. And then we're like, oh, now we got them. Now we, and we could feel that momentum change. And we always felt like we were better. We should come back. And if you don't have that belief, you're, you're never going to be successful. But this team believes in one another, and we know what we're capable of. And I've always said it is the only time we've ever lost is because we lo- we beat ourselves. They didn't beat us. We beat ourselves in the first half, and now we start playing our kind of ball in the second half. But it's just too late. But I, I also like that happening early in the year because you learn that you learn from those mistakes, and it makes you a better team in the end. So uh, I really uh, I look forward to what we can do here in the last four games of the season. Is uh, that first place in the West is is anybody's game right now between us and Winnipeg?
0: Special teams have gone really well here, Sean. You're kicking. Terry on returns to Flintoff on the punts and kickoffs and the coverage teams as well. And of course um, you have a, a pretty old hand there at special teams coordinator. We had Mike on the show earlier this year uh, talking about taking over the BC lines, special teams. Does he actually coach you? Because like in all my years of knowing and talking to Benny, he hasn't imparted a lot of wisdom in the kicking game place kicking specifically very smart football guy can talk up and down as Blake knows about pass rushers and everything else, but I haven't heard him talk kicking much over the years. What's it been like with Benny? You're a former head coach, right? Uh, as your position coach or yeah, he, coordinator on special he was teams. Never my,
3: he was never my head coach. He was my first special teams coach in 2003 when I was just asked to practice with the team behind Curtis head. And, uh, I was never allowed to kick field goals cause that was my bread and butter and, but whenever they brought a punt block, they didn't want to risk Curtis getting hit. So they put me in. And if I shank it, he'd he'd like, get the hell out of my drill. I'm like, oh, man, but if I, as long as I kicked a good ball, I could stay in, but I would only kick one or two and then shank. I'd get out, but he's old school. So he, he had his time of yelling at me back in the past. And now he's my coach again. I've had him as a defensive coordinator in Edmonton and things like that, but he's been around a lot of great kickers, McCallum, um, Lewis Ward and, or wherever, and uh, me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> just kidding. But uh, but no, he's uh, he's been great with me, honestly. He knows I'm 30. I'm going to be 38 in a month here. And uh, I can't kick every day. It's just, that's too much. And I, I think it's too much for any kicker. I don't care what the age. But he's been really good at communicating with me. He's like, How many do you want today? Where would you want the kicks? I said, I don't want to know where the kicks are, but I've had a day like last week. He goes, We're having a walkthrough day. Do you want to kick? I'm like, No. He's like, No problem and then the, yesterday you want to kick no so he's he's very good at resting me and um taking care of me but poor riley pickett is a brand new long snapper so that old school Benny's all over him but mm. you gotta be you gotta be and it's riley is he can handle it and uh he's a hard worker and i give riley the gears every day too it's just it's just fun it's a part of the process oh. and uh so but he's the thing I love about, I, I'm still, like, I'm watching different coaches because I maybe want to be a coach at the end of my career. I don't know. And um, so I, I learned from Benny, and he is so knowledgeable in the special teams game. And you can see, like, we're getting returns now. Our cover teams, they fight, they, they ball for him. He, he He's a really good motivator, and he's so detailed in what he does, and he demands perfection. Um, and he's also a good way of creating almost like that enemy is a monster, and we got to go attack that guy. Like you create that enemy, and it, it makes those guys work a little harder and want to go and whoop some butt.
1: You keep mentioning your age and how many games you've played. Um, you know that,
3: Andy
0: Mister Pickett, like he's earned it uh, with the way McCallum and the guys used to get on him back yeah, in the yeah. day. You have earned every bit of sauce you deliver to your younger teammates. And that's what you
3: said, Benny says, "I'm done yelling at you. I've already yelled at you enough, so I don't need to." Yeah. Do that.
0: exactly but you're middle-aged
1: for a bc lions kicker you realize that like they're like (laughs) from bc lions standards you you owe them about five more years well I mean, he might have
0: 10 in him
3: i talked to wally buono actually a few weeks ago i was at a golf tournament and uh he's my reference on all my um you know in my in my resume for firefighting and uh he goes how's firefighting going i'm like it's okay it's good and I just I don't want to retire yet from football yet. And he goes, "Do you want my opinion or not?" I'm like, "Of course I want your opinion, you Wally Buono." And he's basically that
1: sounds like Wally. You're gonna get it regardless. But he's
3: basically my football daddy. He's the one that found me when I was 18. So I'm like, "Of course I want your opinion, Wally." And he goes, "You play football for as long as you possibly can." So I'm like, "All right, done." And then I'm a, I'm I'm gonna play football as long as BC Lions want me. I'm I'm gonna keep playing. Good man.
0: Is this a great Cup team? Can you win it?
3: Yeah, it is. I, I said I, that was part of my speech yesterday and how special this team is. We just You also need some luck with the football gods too, right? And I feel like that Ottawa game showed us that we got some gods on our side there. But, uh, and even like last week in, in Edmonton, Edmonton's got a good team. They're just, they're trying to figure out how to win here. Uh, but they got, every team you play in the CFL has playmakers. They have all-stars. And if you don't show up, you're going to get, you're going to get your butt whooped. So, uh, you know, going to that last game, you know, Edmonton was coming back. Again, we could have panicked and and gave up, but we stayed, you know, we stayed working and everyone, no finger pointing. We just knew what we we were capable of and we came out on top. So...
1: You've seen a lot of Canadian football. Well, before we leave the Elks here, uh, what do you make of this uh, Canadian quarterback trend here? You saw it la- up close and personal last year. Um, you saw it there. I mean, what did, is this, is this going to be a, a lasting trend? Do you think Canadian quarterbacks are a thing now?
3: Well, if you got guys like that, yeah, why not? Uh, yeah. That's, uh, you know, Trey Ford, man. He, I was worried about him a lot just because he can, in the CFL, it feels so big. If you can run and throw, that's that's tough to stop on any defense. I don't care how good you are. It's extremely tough to to stop, and he has a great arm too. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm not a defensive player, but from from the, the outside looking in, he's a great quarterback, and he should be sticking around for a while, you'd think.
0: Well, there he is from White Rock, the White Rock FD, and the BC Lions since 2007, although, as he'll tell you, he was even kicking with them and practice dummying with them for years before that. Mm-hmm. Great catching up with you, Sean. Congrats on 200 games. Wish you all the best Friday and
3: beyond, my man. Thank you. Really appreciate that, guys.
0: So hear some Price from Wall Center Presentation Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680 to the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. And we're bringing back the Golf Report brought to you by the Whistler Golf Club. In advance of the Ryder Cup here this weekend. Whistler golf, Cru- golf Club wrapping up another incredible year of golf at the Palmer. Last day of operation is October 8th, so there's still time to squeeze in some great fall golf, but if you're an organizer of a group of 12 or more. It's not too early to plan for 2024. Visit whistlergolf.com slash groups. Tell the team about your group. They'll get tee times held for you in 24 and you, the group organizer plays for free. Whistlergolf.com slash groups. So the Ryder cup getting going Friday at the Marco Simone golf club in Italy, Blake, just outside of Rome and I've played it a couple times. Yeah, I was going to say. um, I'm on errors and omissions because I said the course was built specifically for the Ryder Cup. It was redesigned in 2018 specifically for the Ryder Cup and for match play, Blake, which is where you were going with that Austin golf course where they would play the uh, World Golf Championship Dell match play, which is no more. It's a risk-reward Course with three drivable par fours. The 18th is a downhill par five. They anticipate guys will have about 225 in. So, in a lot of cases, anything
1: guarding the green? Do you know? Is, is there water
0: left? Bunkers right and uh, so long uh, rough and and, uh, back and probably right. tight. Probably tight leading up to the green. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tighter. Yeah. Put it this way: for us, really tight. For them, yes, you know, tight-ish. Now, here's the thing. Obviously, and this is the case every Ryder Cup, Team Europe is not as good as Team USA 1 through 12, and that's particularly so given that I think you can argue the European side may have lost more with the live guys than the PGA Tour did. PGA Tour has taken a live guy and Brooks Kepka on the team. I went and I looked at average carry distance for Rory McIlroy and the rest of the guys in this tournament. And this is the big advantage that Europe has. And, of course, Europe as the host team is going to get a chance to set up the course where they want. Rory's average carry this year was 307 yards, if you can believe that. That's crazy. The two best Americans, or the three best Americans, Wyndham Clark carrying on average 303. Sam Burns carrying on average 300. Ricky Fowler on average carrying Two ninety seven. Oh shame! I don't have stats on Kepka because Live does not provide average carry statistics. But his last four years on the T- PGA Tour, his his average driving was three hundred seven to three eleven. I don't dispute it. May have gone a little better on Live, but that doesn't mean he's carrying anywhere close to Rory. The bottom line is, Blake,
1: based on the guy that owns a couple of the courses that Live plays on, I bet you Brooks's carry was about four
0: hundred and twelve. <laughs> yeah, but carry on. The bottom line here is Europe can set up tee boxes that allow one guy, Rory McIlroy, to carry certain fairway bunkers Mm -hmm. and basically dare Wyndham, Clark, Sam Burns, Ricky Fowler, Brooks of the Americans, okay, see if you can carry that. Because that bunker is like 303 or 305. right 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 on the number. yeah, yeah. So we'll see what goes down there in terms of course setup. Of course, Europe got destroyed a couple years ago in the U.S. Rory McIlroy was in tears at the end of the tournament. They're anticipating a hearty crowd as always. Our friend Mike Zanier is making his way down from uh, Sweden to go see it. Blake, they have set up a grandstand of 5,000 people on the first tee. And it is a cozy, cauldron right-on-top-of-you yeah. grandstand of 5,000. And, you know, the Italians, I, I the, think they'll express themselves a little bit on that first They're team. not reserved, is what you're saying? <laughs> no, it should be a lot of fun. So looking forward to a fun weekend. I know you're not huge on Match Play Golf, but this course set up specifically for Match Play Golf, I think, could be the real star when we're done that here on That 18th
1: Sunday. green, uh, folks, picture the green in the middle of the screen, water to the left, sand to the right, and then they plunked down a bunker right in the if, middle right. of the fairway about, what, 40 S- yards from the green. I, no, I
0: think it's 16 Six- yards in front of yeah. the green, and yeah. they did that specifically for guys who were going to lay up. Yeah. Like, okay, you're going to lay up on this? Yeah, where are you going to lay, lay up Where are now? you going to lay it up? Yeah, To the left of that bunker, near the water? Pretty uh, skinny, uh, pretty skinny on both very sides. Very skinny, yeah. very skinny. So, well done to... Um, Uh, the DP World Tour, and the uh, Marco Simone Golf Club folks for setting up what looks to be a really interesting and perhaps the first ever tailor-made to match play golf course for the Ryder Cup. Poll question results from yesterday on the Bodog Poll Question. We asked you, what do the Canucks need most this season? Good health, good start, improved defense, or stars being stars? What do the people say, Blake? Mm, Good start. Indeed. Percentage? 51. 41. Mm. Improved defense was second with 30%. Good health got 21% of the vote. Jeff and I both vo- voted good health. Stars Bank stars got 8%. Basketball Phil, this is the most important 10-game start in franchise history. Yeah, you could argue. Key18 says, honestly, the other three options can just be included under having a good start. We discussed this yesterday, Key. They could, but that doesn't account for the sustaining... That you're gonna require maintaining through the next five months. Cap Space Anti Health. If Hughes, Patterson, or Demco miss more than five games, this team is in big trouble. If they miss some combination of both, they're in the conversation for drafting first overall. And Austin and Langley, what's most important? Copious amounts of alcohol, he says. Mm. Yellow dog alcohol. Mm-hmm. Errors and omissions from yesterday's program and beyond, and uh, there's a number. Uh, Mike Benavides was never Sean White's head coach in their first stint in BC. He was the defensive coordinator and the special teams coach when White was kicking for the Leos the first time around. Uh, Basketball has gone to positionless basketball. They haven't changed the names of the position. You still occasionally hear power forward shooting guard. Yeah. Things like that was PJ. Uh, I'm wrong, Tom Ty Young is exempt from the uh, 50 contract limit for the Vancouver Canucks. And I mistakenly said Travis Kelsey's jersey sold the most in the NHL, of course I meant, NFL, earlier this week. Anything else, Grady Sass? Well, I wanted to just correct myself on
2: the poll because I mentioned good start and I started thinking about it more. And you mentioned, you just read some of the uh, feedback there and I'm leaning now towards what Andy said about good health because we all remembered what happened last year. Demco goes down. Now the goaltending depth is better this year. And then I started going back and forth and thinking, well, is it good overall team defense? You mentioned improved defense, and I think that's the way we worded it. I would say overall team defense. Don't want to bring up that word structure again, but it's not just the defenders on the back end. I want to see we need to see more out of the forwards this year. Um, you know, committing back checks and helping out, getting back when you can. Honestly, it's it's a great poll because you can literally argue any side of it. I think the stars being stars and good health kind of goes together. But uh,
1: but it's sort of like saying, would you like to win the lottery or would you like to get a really nice paying job? Right. Well, winning the jo- the lottery encompasses. Yeah. The same kind of money that a good painting Like and
2: good health and stars good, being stars go together kind of
1: good start is a catch all. So yeah. why wouldn't you just be a good start?
0: I didn't realize voters' remorse would now yeah. be explained <laughs> in errors and omissions. There you go, folks. A people into the mind of Grady Sass. Yerki always also like kept to, me up I'd like at to night. agree with you that it was a great poll, but frankly it didn't do the numbers we had hoped. Yerki on Twitter also tried to catch me saying
1: that Vanny no longer employs the Christmas tree. Wait till tomorrow, Yerky,
0: or tonight. Exactly. Little tip, Yerky. The play-by-play guy gets an audience with the head coach the day before the game. Tends to know what's coming before the public. Yerky, the
2: official fact checker. Yeah, it's Hustler true. Yeah. I-, I do get well, nervous. What, yeah.
0: What's uh, What's the Toronto Star guy now at uh, Daniel? Dale. Dale, yeah, he's our Daniel Dale. That's yeah, true. Bodog line of the daytime with Blake Price, Bodog, your source free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. So you like what you got? Well, uh, there's a lot to look at in terms of the soccer schedule over the
1: next uh, couple of weeks as we lead up to Decision Day in Major League Soccer. So let's look at somebody that is in competition for the White Cat with the White Caps for a Western Conference playoff berth and whether or not they can hold true. Nashville hosting the Seattle Sounders coming up on Saturday. Never have you been a bigger Hany Mukhtar fan. Nashville taking down Seattle,
0: even money. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to subscribe to us and Rinkwide wherever you get your podcast. Follow on social, that's Twitter, Insta, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. And of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.